Hey folks, this is Lincoln Alabaster, host of Evidence of Things Screened. I know, it's been a while. I hope you're well. I'm just here to tell you that my next guest, Michelle Odima, had so many great insights that I decided to include our entire conversation, but over the course of three episodes. The first of those three is up next, and the second and third will drop consecutively over the next two days. So thank you for your patience while we were on hiatus. Thank you for downloading the podcast and thank you for listening. Now on to the show. You are listening to Evidence of Things Screened. I'm your host, Lincoln Alabaster. Today's episode is titled Soul Purpose Part One. My guest, Michelle Odinma, is here to help make sense of the latest powerhouse Pixar film, Soul. It's your destiny to sit back and listen because the next episode of Evidence of Things Screened starts now. And once again, this is Evidence of Things Screened, where we find out what we can learn about faith from some of the most acclaimed films of the past and present. I'm Lincoln Alabaster, and in the Zoom with me today is Michelle Odinma, the Interim Associate Minister for Community Life and Community Service at Church of the Advent Hope. Michelle, welcome to Evidence of Things Screened. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you for agreeing to appear on the podcast for the first episode recorded since the pandemic. It's been over a year since <laughs> our, our most recent episode. Um, and speaking of this time, what's gotten you through this season of life that began for most of us in March of 2020? Mm, what has gotten me through? Um, well, you know, I think the uh, opportunity to simply just slow down has actually been a blessing. And I think uh, for many people, they may not even realize it, it probably is a blessing. I know it's kind of a year of slowing down can be a little bit long, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it has just helped me to kind of prioritize, refocus. Sometimes we're so busy, um, you know, we don't get a chance to sit and reflect, uh, you know, on our lives or on things that are coming or happening, etc. Um, so yeah, I mean, what's gotten me through is really uh, a lot of quiet time, a lot of yeah. writing. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say, yeah. That slowing down, like like you said, I think for a lot of us, we thought, okay, this will be like a few weeks. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and then it wasn't. So, you know, when it went way beyond um, our expectations, then, yeah, I think then the, the deeper introspection really came into play there. But um, yeah. for many, that, that was a gift, ultimately. Um even though we know so much pain has happened, so much loss. Right. And so this film, Soul, uh, before we started recording, we were just talking about how ambitious this film was. So, so ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we'll get into this more specifically, but just in general, like when you watched it, did it spark any new insights or was this just a continuation of that, that dialogue that you've been having um, like you mentioned, through the pandemic, it allowed you to to slow down and kind of consider 
maybe some of the bigger questions. Definitely. I, I mean, I think when I watched Soul, it just made me realize, it's something that I already knew, but it made me realize even more that a lot of the world, or maybe even the whole world, is thinking the same thing about where they're from, where they're going, what's next, what's beyond. Um, and for Soul to put all of that into one film, <laughs> um, you know, with cartoon characters, I mean, it was absolutely masterful. But it was, um, yeah, just the reality that, you know, human beings all have some of the same questions. And um, we're all trying to figure it out. And so we're pulling from here and pulling from there and coming up with our own, you know, theologies and, and understandings of how the world world works. So, yeah. And, and they did it in what, like 90 minutes or something? 90 so. minutes. <laughs> I mean, insane. I was, I was very impressed. And, yeah. and they, they, this was all done before the pandemic. I mean, the, the film was, was was written and created animated all that stuff before the pandemic so i mean i don't know that you could have had a, a a more appropriate film to drop in the middle of this time where sure. th these are the bigger questions that are being asked so right and even even on top of that having you know the main character be a black man and you know all of the other things that are happening in society reflected in this one picture you know and so I thought it was great. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. That is some um, divine <laughs> construction <laughs> right. there. There's no yeah. way they could have known all that. So uh, they had a little divine help. Well, for someone being involved in ministry and all manners pertaining to life's bigger questions, your perspective on this program today for this movie is highly anticipated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, okay, good. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> so just a little background on this film. Soul was released by Disney Plus in 2020 on Christmas Day. And it was actually going to be released in theaters um, in June of 2020. But again, that was all before the pandemic hit. And sure. so it landed Christmas Day on Disney Plus. And um, it's interesting because I probably wouldn't have seen it in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have gone and been like, I'm going to go see Soul today. Like, maybe. Right. Maybe. maybe. Because Jamie Foxx is in it. Like, maybe. Right. <laughs> right. You know, if, a, if enough people were like, oh, man, you got to go see this, you know. Right. Right. But, um, but the fact that uh, we were all where we were and, you know, this was on a, a platform that you can just stream on Christmas Day. I was like, okay, I'll give this a chance. And, and I like Pixar anyhow. Um, right. it, you know, it's the latest in a long line of animated Pixar films, such as Inside Out, that have transcended this traditional children's audience to appeal to adults as well. Yeah. But it is the first Pixar film, as you mentioned, Michelle, to feature an African-American protagonist. And that was played uh, by Jamie Foxx, but it also stars Tina Fey, the great Felicia Rashad and the great Angela Bassett. These are some of the voices, some of the many voices providing the entertainment in this film. It was co-written by Pete Docter, Mike Jones, and Kemp Powers, and co-directed by Docter and Powers. Quick side note, Kemp Powers also wrote um, One Night in Miami. 
okay. which was uh, directed by Regina King. Mm. And anyway, he's having a great time now with both Soul and One Night in Miami. And the reviews for Soul have been overwhelmingly positive. And as of this recording, the film has won two Golden Globes for Best Animated Motion Picture and Best Original Score. And it's the front runner to win Academy Awards this Sunday in those same categories and landing a third nomination for Best Sound. So wow. this, this film is just big. It's just big. <laughs> it's kicking it on so many fronts. Yeah. But Michelle, if you had to single out one aspect that you most appreciated about Soul, what would that be? Um, definitely it's depth and uh, kind of this idea, at least from what I read from the movie, is uh, the simplicity of life and how that's beautiful, right? And the things in life. Um, and that was, I mean, it kind of took this, what do we say, circuitous route um, in, you know, trying to figure out, you know, life, you know, like, why are we living and, and what's my purpose and all of this. And then it kind of circles back around to just the beauty of living period. Right. Um, and so, uh, that was, that was powerful. And they go through all of these, you know, uh, twists and turns and end up at a very simple answer in my opinion. Yeah. And again, the structure of that film, as you described, right. it's amazing that it's so grand, but then right. at the same time, so elemental. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, how do you come up with that? I'm, uh, I'm in awe. I'm in awe. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, th I think just the fact that they even to dare to tackle some form of existentialism, you know, in an animated family friendly film. Right with a black protagonist. I mean, that, that to me is just, wow. Wow. It so very well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just to get into the, the narrative soul opens on <laughs> um, with the sort of a humorous beginning with this discordant middle school band. And it's taught by a middle-aged black man, Joe Gardner, who's a teacher who moonlights as a freelance jazz pianist. It's his true passion. And he's a bit exasperated at the predominant display of student disinterest, with the notable exception of young Connie, whose enthusiasm and talent inspires him to tell a story about when he knew he was born to play. So, Michelle, do you have a story like Joe, where you realized you were born to do something? Um, definitely. I think... Um, I think knowing that I was meant to be a type of communicator um, or a type of leader came when I actually was in elementary school. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know how it would pan out, but I knew that that was a space for me. Um, and I didn't always follow that. I think, you know, realizing that later, you know, it dawns on you, et cetera. But um, I, I did ballet for a number of years growing up. I went to um, a performing arts academy, um, was involved in the arts, and our drama teacher um, told us that we each had to teach a lesson for the next couple of weeks about something that we were passionate about. Um, wow, that's <laughs> that's sophisticated, <laughs> a little bit intimidating, perhaps. Right. I think I was maybe in like fifth or sixth grade, 
and um, we had to teach a lesson. And so I decided to teach my class um, a short ballet routine um, on the bar. And, um, and so I did. And as I went through it, it was just, um, it was so easy. And it was so, uh, felt so natural. Right. And um, my teacher, you know, gave high marks and, you know, commendations. And I knew at that moment, I was like, okay, something with communication, something, um, you know, in front of people, this is going to be in my future. Um, And there are, you know, later marks in my life where I was like, where it was more pointed and more specific, what area and what, you know, genre of teaching. Um, But that was definitely one of the beginning moments where I... Wow, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. So I guess to use the vernacular of of soul, that was sort of the spark. The spark, (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Amazing. And and, um, just like Joe, that was when you were, I guess, in, you know, middle middle school age, right? Around that time. Wow, yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the film, the next scene, the school principal calls Joe out of class and delivers this news that he's now been upgraded, promoted to a full-time faculty member. And this is supposed to be good news, but for Joe, it's just another bar on the prison of lowered expectations. And he stops by his mother Libba's tailoring shop. Libba is played by Felicia Rashad. Um, she's providing the voice. And the mother, she's overjoyed at this financial stability that the full-time job affords. And we can tell this is a well-worn source of contention between mother and son, right? Between like, you have this dream and I want you to have something stable and all of that. And so is Joe's mother wrong to encourage Joe away from jazz? I mean, how do we, I guess, turning to us as well, like, how do we distinguish between the message and the motive behind criticism from loved ones? Sure. I mean, well, I think something to understand about parents, right, just in general, is typically they want the best for you, right? They don't want to see you struggle. They don't want to see you, you know, go through hard times and hard life. And in reality, artists do have a hard life, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. we're, we're not, uh, we're not necessarily as appreciated, uh, in our beginnings, you know, as, as we'd like to be. Um, so I think her hesitancy is, you know, you know, fair. However, I am of, <laughs> right. <laughs> comma, um, I am of the, um, the opinion being someone who is big into the arts and passionate about that. Um, I am of the opinion that if you are passionate, if you have a gift for something, if that is something that God has, has put on you, um, he will make space for that. Right. Mm. And he will, he will provide what you need so that gift can be shared. Um, and so I, so I believe that as well. I do believe in, you know, having a, underlying plan B or, you know, a side hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. You believe in that. Um, but I do also believe in, in following your dreams. And sometimes it takes a long time for that work and effort to pay off. Sometimes it's sooner. Um, but I don't believe you should sit on it or throw it away. So. It's challenging because where's that line right? right between, I don't know. Um, 
30, I'm not going to be in the NBA. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, It's like, you know, when do I come to that realization? Right, right, right. Maybe I, okay, maybe I won't be an Olympic athlete or something. Right, like, like 45 still, you know, yeah. hooping on the court. Right, it's like, uh, no, no, it's just meant to be on the on the weekends, you know, be a weekend yeah. warrior on the court, play with your buddies, but you're not sure. going to be in the NBA. So there is that that um, difficulty. And Joe is, uh, I think he said 45 or something. So right. he's 45 and, you know, doing this jazz thing. And right. yet his mom was like, well, if you're getting this, this full-time job now, it's, it's stable. Right. Maybe that's what you should be doing. You know, right. I agree with you that if God has given this to you, right. then it's like a dialogue that you have between yourself and God of like, Lord, all right, this is what I believe. You got to open a door for me or, you know, or else. Yeah, or else. Exactly. And And I think that, you know, I can even speak to my own experience. Like people are capable of doing many things well or many things good, right? And you could think that one thing is your gift or one thing is your purpose and it ends up being something completely different. But what you will know is you could be doing something great, and if it's not your purpose, you could potentially feel confined by that, um, by that you know, job or practice. You could feel unfulfilled, you know. So it really is um, kind of really something you have to sort out with God because, you know, how is life to be lived if you don't feel free, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I could do this, you know, nine to five every single day. I'm good at it. But mentally in my heart, I know that I am miserable. Right. And it's like, it's paying me well. It's, you know, you know, putting food on the table, taking care of my kids, et cetera, whatever it is. But I am absolutely miserable. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. definitely a, a conversation to sort out. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure... Uh, many folks listening to this uh, may be struggling with that very thing, right? It's like, well, yes, I feel that God has given me this talent to do X, Y, Z, but it's not going to pay the bills right now. And I have these responsibilities. So how do I manage those two things? And, um, you know, that that's, again, that is a conversation between you and God and, and, you know, I guess those who are around you, maybe, maybe there's some way, but I, I feel like, like you said, if God has given you this, he will make a way for you to, yeah. to fulfill that. Yes. It, it may not be easy. It may not be like, oh, overnight. Um, in fact, it, it almost never is. But, right. but there will be a path. There sure. will be a path. Sure. I can even add to that just um, the idea that uh, what is the purpose behind like our gift, right? Like, are you using your gift to be on this, you know, superstar platform? Or is the sheer, you know, use of your gift just this, you know, exhilaration in your soul, like this, you know, expression of freedom. So it's like, even if I don't make any money from this, like, because I'm doing this, my life is fulfilled, right? And so I think, um, you know, using our gifts, not always for money, you know, can be a thing or not, or, or you know, understanding that you may not make it to, 
you know, the, the top of the billboard or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? And, right. and personally, to me, those are usually some of the best artists who aren't concerned about commercial success, right? They're more concerned about being able to use a bigger platform to just get out a message. Um, so I think that that plays into it too. Like I could have this nine to five, but as long as I get to do music sometime, some way, I'm, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the authenticity. It's like they're not thirsty for likes or anything. Right. It's just like, Hey, it's just about the music. And uh, I think that's, you know, ironically, that attracts more people. Exactly. <laughs> and by default, you're like, well, there I am <laughs> here at the top. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, back to this film. Joe leaves his mother's shop and he gets this call from a former student of his named Curly. And this call changes the course of his life and the film as a result. Um, there's this famed saxophonist named Dorothea Williams and she's playing at the Half Note Club that very night with her jazz quartet and it just so happens that the person scheduled to play the piano has backed out of the gig so Curly asks Joe to audition for the spot hmm. so Joe arrives for the audition and uh you know it's interesting because he arrives and Curly introduces him as Roy Gardner's son hmm. and Dorothea refers to him as oh the middle school band teacher and so identity, it's a major theme that runs throughout the course of this film. And these identities for Joe, they're not false, right? I mean, he is, uh, you know, as we learned, Roy Gardner's son, he is a middle school band teacher. So is there a problem with being defined by relation or by profession? Um, you know, sometimes it's good. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's, it's not, right? It's kind of both because it's like, Sometimes it can work for you and by relation, it can, you know, get you into places you may not have gotten into, right? For that networking, you know, it's like, oh, save my name. And then, you know, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's a cool, but, but as human beings, as individuals, we all like to be seen as someone unique, someone different than the next person. Mm -hmm. um, and so being identified by solely a profession kind of limits you down to that, right? It only gives you this one dimensional picture of who this person is, right? And so um, that becomes a problem um, in many ways because maybe you surprise people with <laughs> other aspects of who you are and um, maybe people don't expect you to be a certain way. Um, but I think when it comes to, to just and speaking in, in ministry now, um, our identity and being individuals. There is a passage in John chapter 13, actually at the Last Supper. Um, mm -hmm. And Jesus is getting down to wash the disciples' feet. They're having Passover. He's, uh, before, the, before they eat, he gets down to wash their feet. And it says in John 13, um, it says that because Jesus knew where he came from, and where he was going, he got down and washed their feet. Wow. And, and it's like, okay, the God of the universe is washing these dirty, <laughs> dusty, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, feet of these grown men. And he has no problem doing that because he's so secure in his identity and who his father has said that he is. Mm. He can do that. And so I think when we understand who we are, where we've come from, where we're going, 
children of God, sons and daughters of a king, that whatever our work is on this earth doesn't confine us to that. We see bigger than that, right? Our calling is greater. We may have this small calling on this earth, but when God sees us, our calling is so much greater. So it's it's that mentality or you know that we have to navigate and live off of. You know, I can tell people that I'm this, but the way that I carry myself says I'm even more than that. So that is such a great point because uh, you know most people we don't have time to listen to uh, someone's life story or to tell our life story and, and all the multitudes contained you know, in the, in our personality and our experiences. And so to kind of untether ourselves from these necessarily reductive labels of this is what I do for a living. It's like, as you said, to define, how do you define yourself? Like how Jesus knew who he was. Exactly. And that freed him from any label that someone would put on him because he's now washing feet or, Because you're doing this one thing and someone might say, oh, well, then she's just, you know, this. But because you understand who you are, you're able to um, be free from any of those labels. I think that's fascinating. Exactly. That is a great point. And um, continuing on this this biblical theme, in one of the the many songs that the, the warrior poet king David wrote to worship God, in uh, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 139, he has a line that says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that may be easier for a divinely anointed king to proclaim, but what about the Joe Gardeners of the world who feel stuck in a rut or disconnected from their perceived purpose? Where do they find that confidence to look at their lives and agree with this. Right. Well, I, you know, I think it, it touches a little bit on, on kind of what I just spoke on in mm-hmm. knowing who you are, right. And, and knowing where you're going, where you're headed and not being confined to those labels. But it also makes me think of kind of this other principle of life, which, you know, Solomon, King Solomon in, in the book, Ecclesiastes, um, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, I think it's Ecclesiastes nine, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, right? That's just part of the verse. And I think we get um, kind of captured, these these average Joes captured in this rut of mediocrity, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, whatever I do, if I'm great at it, it will get attention. It will go somewhere. And I think, you know... God is a great God, right? And if we want to mirror him, whatever task that we're given, if we do it great, it will automatically open doors for something else. And so I think we forget to to look at the space that we're in and do it well, right? So Joe was just like average. He felt like this average subpar, you know, music teacher, you know, nobody's paying attention in class, et cetera. But he wasn't looking at, you know, kind of the shiny points and the fact that the way that he got hooked up with Dorothea was through an ex-student who, ah, you know, yeah, was, yeah. became amazing as a result of his mentorship. And then you have the other girl, Connie, who, you know, was trying to to find her gift and know that she loves music. But, you know, because of all the, 
you know, opinions of classmates, you know, she wasn't ready quite yet to embrace it. But, you know, so so I think we need to take the space that we're in and do it well. Whatever is around us, do it well, and we will naturally have an impact wherever we go, whoever we encounter, even if you're a janitor. You clean so well, they're like, look, I'm going to give you your own business. Can you clean my office? Can you do it? I mean, it's just whatever it is, do it with all your might. I love that point uh, because earlier you had mentioned that Jesus knew, you know, where he came from and where he was going. Right. And so he had security in that. But I think maybe the Joe Gardner's of the world, there are a lot of people who would say, but Michelle, I don't know where I'm going. Right. So yeah. I, I don't have that security, but right. what you just said is a great answer to that, which is, in the space you're in now. Correct. Be the best you can be at that. Exactly. And embracing the fact that, okay, if I'm in this space, God, who is all powerful, has allowed, ordained for me to be in this space right, right now. Right. So it is to my best interest to do the best I can and then, you know, move on from here. Exactly. So in those moments, yeah, yeah. go ahead. I I mean, I think, you know, why would God open a door if you hadn't satisfactorily handled your present, you know, situation? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You mismanaged these funds. Now you want to manage a bigger bank. Like, (laughs) so I, I think, yeah, we, sometimes it's more simple than we think. Right. Right. Just like, Hey, I don't know what is coming tomorrow but I know what I have right now in front of me and I'll deal with that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, any, any students of the Bible will know that complaining never gets you anywhere (laughs) with God. No, no, (laughs) it's not a key for promotion. It's not really not. (laughs) I Um, mean, we can complain to him, but you know, complain and then move forward. Right. Yeah. I, I, I kind of uh, distinguish it like crying out versus complaining. Right, 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 right. Crying out is, is I think, from a a perspective of humility. Like, Lord, you're you're the one in charge. I'm crying out to you because I know you can change the situation. Sure. Um, Complaining is more like condescending. Like, hey, do you know who I am? (laughs) Like, why am I here? You know. So I think it's a posture of the heart there. so hopefully that's helpful to someone. Right. Um, so Joe, at the audition, he plays so well. And while he's doing this, we see that he's transported into what we later find out is the zone, mm. which I love the, the fact that they, <laughs> right. they kind of visualize this, right, <laughs> this, this right. place that people go to when they blissfully engage in some activity for which they're especially skilled. And mm-hmm. at the conclusion of the audition, Dorothea's response is, Joe Gardner, where have you been? You know, right. see how now she puts some respect on his name. Versus before <laughs> right. it was like, you're just a middle school band teacher, but we see you can play well. So now I'm calling you by your full name. So right. anyway, he gets the gig. But I want to just kind of shift back to you for a second, Michelle. Like when you're working on a sermon or, or, or maybe something else, uh, I know you play music as well. Is there something where you get into the zone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Uh, definitely. I mean, even when I'm just like studying my Bible, like just in general, 
I remember in college, I would study my Bible and I, I, I am a vocal responder. So <laughs> if somebody <laughs> hits me, I'm probably going, you're, you will hear a sound. All right. Um, and I would be like studying my Bible in the morning and be, I'd be like, mm, ooh, you know, like going off and my roommate would be like banging on the wall, like, Hey, <laughs> 7 a.m. You know? Um, but, uh, yeah, when I'm, when I'm writing a sermon, um, there's these like sweet spots, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like the spirit just hits you. And then, you know, I'm just like writing and writing and going off and this thought leads to this thought and this, and, um, it's, it's amazing. And, especially with with sermon crafting right the fact that someone is able to come to the bible and leave with some powerful thought like that is definitely the inspiration of god like i will literally come to the bible empty-handed like lord i have no idea i don't have a topic i don't have a, this i don't have that i have nothing show me where to go right and then you leave with this crafted sermon and this depth of thought and you're like I know God was here, like Miraculous. God, here, you know, um, same thing with music. Um, there are songs that, you know, music is an expression of, of what's in the heart, right? Music is, is an expression of um, the experience. And so there are songs you'll hear artists talk about songs that are very close to them. You know, it reminds them of a time. And I have songs like that where immediately when I start playing them, I just go back to that place, go to that space to that zone. And it's like, I'm not thinking about the mechanics of how I'm singing. I'm not really thinking about like, you know, the logistical, you know, elements of making it sound good. I'm literally just singing from the soul, from the heart. And um, that's definitely the zone. So it's, it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's real. It is real. So should everyone have something that gets them into the zone? Like if someone's listening and they're like, wow, that's great for you. But right. I, I don't know, like if, if someone's listening and they don't have, or they haven't discovered that, should they be looking for that? Or is that something that maybe only a, you know, a certain percentage of the population has? What is your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I would say yes. I mean, I feel like there, there is something for everyone and it's going to, Know, maybe it's numbers for another guy. He just, I don't know, loves calculating and counting. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, um, I think it's the beauty, and going back to, to my idea of what the movie was, the beauty of the simplicity of life. And, like, yeah. that's yeah. that's a perk. That's an experience of just living, right? Getting getting into the zone, right? Um, I played sports, too, so it's like, we, you know, play certain music, we, you know, jump up yeah. and down, you know, get, get in the zone, get ready. You know? um, it's all a part of, yeah, the experience of life and being able to almost escape your current reality and be immersed in this, I don't know, they, they painted it like this erythral space, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love, I love that depiction of it. Yeah. And I mean, I hope everyone does just like you. I hope everyone has something that right. they can, you know, delve into in their lives where they they feel that and get into the zone. Um, so Joe, after this, getting this gig, he's obviously ecstatic and he runs out of the club and <laughs> in his excitement, he walks right into a manhole uh. and basically dies so 
at this point, the film transitions to what looks like outer space. Mm-hmm. And we see this celestial conveyor belt ascending toward yeah. a great white light. <laughs> mm-hmm. And small blue blobs representing souls mm-hmm. of those who've died. Once they get close to the light, the souls elevate and they're pulled in like a magnet <laughs> and zapped into whatever comes next, which I <laughs> thought was a little uh, funny, but um, just the zapping. Uh, it reminded <laughs> me of those, like those fly, like, you know, they have that those, light. uh, those lights. Yeah. Where flies get come close to it and they get zapped. So I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's the best depiction, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so this, what we're seeing is the, is called the great beyond in the movie. And Joel's soul is on this same trajectory, but the, the thing is Joe's not having it. <laughs> he, he runs the other way. Right. And, I thought about this, so I wanted to ask you, what do you think it says that Joe was the only one who didn't accept his fate? Mm. Why wasn't everyone running from the light? Right. Um, I mean, I think it says about Joe that he wasn't finished, right? Like, he wasn't content with the life that he lived. Like, I'm not done yet. Like, this is not how the story should end or where it's going to end. I'm determined to, to change things around. And, and I think that speaks to maybe ultimately a large population's discontentment with the life that they're currently living. And how like, if they were to die today, like, what would you have to say for yourself? Like, what, what would you, what, what have you done where you can say, I'm proud of that, or my work here is finished. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think that's why Joe ran back. He's like, no, 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 I'm not done yet. Right. And I'm just getting started. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that's, that's the case. They, they haven't really gotten life started and to end it prematurely, they wouldn't be happy about that. I was really intrigued by this because I, I think you're right. Like so many people feel like, wait, I haven't done what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. I also saw in the fact that it seemed like so many people were accepting of it. I feel like, it's said to me that so many people are weary of the routine of life and are sort of happy to be like, Oh, okay. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I completely agree with that. I, I think, I think when people forget about the beauty of life, they settle for a mediocre life, you know, and they settle for like, Oh, this is just how things go. You know, (laughs) And like, does it have to be that way, though? Does it? No. You it know? does not. And so you have this character who refuses to accept that. So Yeah, Henry David Thoreau, he had that quote that says, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Mm. And so if you accept that, then the lack of resistance that we see on this conveyor belt makes yeah. sense. Because yeah. it's like, well, why would they want to go back, right? Right. What do they have to go back to? Yeah. Exactly. Just the routine. So it's time to break and end the first of our three episodes on soul. Part two will drop tomorrow and part three the day after that. If you'd be so kind, please find us and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen and download Evidence of Things Screen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Evidence of Things Screened and click subscribe. You can also hear the conversation on our website at thingsscreened.org. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Lincoln Alabaster. Keep your faith up.
Evidence of Things Screen is an Advent Hope Ventures production in association with Church of the Advent Hope, a Seventh-day Adventist community on the Upper East Side of Manhattan in New York City. Go to adventhope.org for more information. Evidence of Things Screen is produced by Todd Stout, Tony Sebro, and Lincoln Alabaster, with technical assistance from Nicholas Zork, Roberto Rutherford, Dwight Francis, and Jim Bogusky. Music provided by Jaw Rockin' Productions.